Yeah, we'll yeah, we'll we'll I'll fix it. Okay. I'll fix it. I'm writing it down now. Chair. Sure, the meeting will come to order. Welcome to the September twenty uh, no. The meeting will come to order. Welcome to the October twelfth, twenty twenty-three meeting of the Human Rights Commission. I'm Commission Chair Karen Clopton. I want to thank our San Francisco Human Rights Commission staff, Amelia Martinez Bankhead, Jessica Campos, Hatim Mansori, and Anjanette Coates for providing technical assistance with this evening's meeting. Uh, now I'd like to open this evening's meeting with the Olone Land Acknowledgement. Commissioner Amran. Uh, thank you, uh, Madam Chair. Good, good evening to uh, my fellow commissioners, uh, to everyone here uh, in the audience and those viewing online. Is it possible to have the... Can you bring it up on oh, the sorry, screen, apologies. please? Yes. One moment, Commissioner. Um, that should be on there. One moment, please. Are go. you not able to view it? Got it. I have okay. it now. Thank you. So I'm going to go oh, ahead and okay. read, read the, off the Ramatush Ohlone land acknowledgement, which we uh, start off every meeting with uh, and I start, quote, we acknowledge that we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatush Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatush Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten the responsibility as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all people who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatush community and by affirming their sovereign rights as first peoples." End quote. Thank you. Secretary McKnight, are there any announcements? Thank you, Chair. This evening's meeting is being held at San Francisco City Hall one Dr. Carlton B. Goodlip Place in room 416. Members of the public can join us in person or participate remotely. Public comment will be available on each item on this agenda. Each speaker will be allowed two minutes to speak. People attending in person will be called on to speak first, followed by those attending remotely. Anyone calling in, please mute your phone until asked to speak. Please use the raise hand icon and indicate you would like to participate in public comment. Please call the roll. Item one, call to order and roll call of commissioners. As I call your name, please affirm attendance by saying aye. Chair Karen Clopton. Aye. Vice Chair Ann Champion Shaw. Commissioner Rodrigo Duran. Aye. Commissioner Emra Hasib Emran. Aye. Commissioner Mark Kelleher. Commissioner Jason Johnson. Commissioner Jason Pellegrini. Commissioner Leah Pimentel, Commissioner Michael Sweet, Commissioner Irene Yee Riley. Chair, we do not have quorum. We can proceed with the meeting, but we will be unable to vote on items until quorum is reached. We will uh, not be able to vote on action items. That's the only consequence, okay? Uh, otherwise, this is a public meeting open to the public and available and recorded. And what is presented will be reflected in 
our meet, meeting minutes and on uh, our website recordings. I want to raise, uh, I want to use this opportunity to raise awareness that October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Uh, I think it's a time to reflect on the victims of domestic violence. So many people who suffer in silence and are not acknowledged or think they are alone. Um, we wanna hear their stories. It's, it's a time to reflect, to call into mind the need for services to support everyone, all people who are in need of safety. And that's really all of us. And it's a time to take direct action, to call out those who abuse the people in their own homes. So as we participate in public events, forums, and opportunities for service during this time, let us remember those who uh, are forced into silence. I want to add that we are in a time of celebration as well. Uh, last week during our Pathways to, to Parity conference, we were joined by Dr. Savi uh, Bisnath, who is, uh, was representing the Office of the High Commissioner for Human Rights uh, for the United Nations. And uh, she asked us to join with uh, the Office of the High Commissioner to begin events celebrating and observing the 75th anniversary of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. A lot of folks don't realize that the United Nations Charter was signed here in San Francisco. The United Nations literally began here. It's a local story. And yes, they moved to New York, but we claim the birthright of the movement to aid in peace around the world, especially it's especially important at this time to remember that. Uh, one of the first acts of the United Nations in December of 1948, the United Nations signed the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. The chair of that committee was Eleanor Roosevelt, the only woman on the committee, and she's responsible for some of the amazing language in the 30 articles. I commend everyone to read and to commit to memory the, the 30 articles of the Declaration of Human Rights, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. What's singular about it is that around the world, it notes the inalienable right of all peoples to dignity and justice, among many other things, including education, health care, uh, right to self-determination. Declarations such as these show what we can become, that there are people with the vision, like Eleanor Roosevelt and those uh, with whom she worked, to lead us into a world where uh, the dream of Dr. King, among many others, becomes fulfilled. And we all know that there's great 
well, really tremendous work to be done uh, to make this happen. And as uh, we celebrate the 75th anniversary of the signing of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights and the San Francisco Human Rights Commission looks to recognize this important date in history, uh, which the actual day was December 10th, 1948. Um, in the meantime, please visit the website that the uh, High Commission has put up called Human Rights 75 Initiative. We want to hear all your ideas. We have lots of ideas, <laughs> um, including bringing youth into it for the 70th anniversary. We had uh, an sixth grade through 12 essay contests on the articles. And then the young people presented, presented uh, their essays uh, at this great celebration. Um, and they got prizes and it was really lovely. It was a lot of fun. And they, of course, the young people are very inspirational. And now we will open the floor to general public comment. That's comment on matters within the jurisdiction of the commission that are not on the agenda today. Item two, general public comment. Members of the public may address the commission on matters that are within the commission's jurisdiction and are not on today's agenda. This is a discussion item are there any members of the public attending in person who would like to comment on this item? We recognize Theory Phil. Good evening. I didn't really intend to come tonight, but uh, to tell you the absolute, I mean, the truth is that uh, I watched the skies again this morning and I was, mm-mm. So basically, I should say that the skies are sunny. It's you know, it's I'm on a mission here, so it can't stop it because I think never mind about that. It's just I came because of that. It's this pressure when I receive messages. I can't explain. It's just happening. So uh, I was surprised last time. I'm gonna use my two minutes this way, but that while you are on Facebook and not on a government TV, but there must be an explanation uh, because I'm not sure users of Facebook are really aware of uh, certain situations today, including from the big tech companies. There is a problem with them. They have a problem, an emotional problem that prevents prevent humanity, I think, to uh, uh, stay on the normal level of consciousness, you see, because it's technology is fighting against emotions and things like that never mind something i would like to repeat is um, or to just to say i will have to repeat it again because i need to simplify here it's too short humanity is a big family it's, we are a family so sometimes we forget uh, in our human rights that we are this family and that there is a very fine line in between like in a family rights and duties we have duties as a family like you see, so for example, now uh, the consequence of not understanding very well 
certain rights or duties is that it's just dangerous. So for example, sometimes we have a right, but which is more like uh, uh, something that's not allowed to do. For example, you can't uh, kill somebody because it's too dangerous for you. Because in that case, you know, you condemned your existence. That's it, it's game over. Unfortunately, if, if it's not out of self-defense, of course, right? So now, for example, Sorry, we've hit our two minutes. My sincerest apologies, my friend. Next time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for. I introduced the the ID. How well enough? Thank you very much. Have a good night. Are there any members of the public attending in person who would like to make comment? Chair, I see no other members of the public attending in person who wish to make comment on this item. Are there any members of the public who would like to provide testimony remotely? Please use the raised hand icon. Members of the public attending remotely may make public comment. Please use the raised hand icon to let us know you wish to speak. Chair, I see no members of the public attending remotely who wish to offer comment on this item. Seeing none, public testimony is now closed. Please call the next item. Item three, adoption of September 14 and 28, 2023 meeting minutes. This is a discussion and action item. Chair, we do not have quorum to vote on this item. The uh, item three adoption of the September 14 and September 28th, 2023 meeting minutes uh, will be tabled until our next meeting. Item four. Vote on commission support for African-American Reparations Advisory Committee final recommendations. This is uh, the commissioners will discuss and vote on proposed motion from September 14, 2023 meeting. The Human Rights Commission fully endorses the African-American Reparations Committee report and recommendations and adds the names of the commissioners to the report in support. This is a discussion action item. There will be public comment. Thank you. Uh, the work and report of the African-American Reparations Advisory Committee is essential to our city's work to heal injustices of the past and develop a path towards a future free of, of bias that continues to support and encourage bias and racism, anti-Black racism in this city and across the country in our present day. This is a recipe for hope grounded in an investment in the African-American community. We as a commission, uh, had we been fortunate enough to have uh, a quorum, we would have taken a vote to ratify uh, this motion to show our support for this work to carry on in the years ahead as presented by the report we received um, in July. I will call for a vote at the next meeting, which is the fourth Thursday in October. And uh, so October 26th. And uh, it is my sincere hope that we have a quorum to make sure that we both uh, pass item three and item four. On that note, um, 
we're going to table both the, unless the commissioners who are present wish to discuss this item, um, we will table both the discussion and the action on this item at this time. Is there any objection to tabling the motion? Hearing none, the motion carries. It's, uh, thank you. Thank you, Chair. Item five, link 21, connecting Northern California, presentation and opportunity for feedback regarding the project to improve rail transit across the Bay. This is a presentation by Nicole Franklin, engagement and outreach engagement manager for link 21 and Tim Lawrence. Equity Programs Administrator, Link 21. This is a discussion and possible action item. There will be public comment. Transit in San Francisco and the Bay Area is more than a matter of convenience. It is an essential service that provides access and the means for people to safely and effectively move about for work, for shopping, for family, for healthcare, and so much more. We have a history of transit here in San Francisco and the Bay, leaving underserved communities, this previously disenfranchised communities out of the transit picture, furthering their disadvantage and the means to access basic and essential services. We will hear in dur during this meeting from the team at Link 21, regarding an idea to provide better access across the Bay, and we will be mindful of ensuring that this massive project adds value to all users, not just those who live and work in our wealthier communities. Thank you all for being here, and we're uh, enthusiastic to hear what you have to offer today. Thank you. Greetings and good evening, esteemed commissioners, those in attendance, both in person and virtually. I'm Sandra Varner of Varner PR Agency in the East Bay. You are friendly neighbors on the other side of the bridge. And we are subcontractors on the Link 21 project. It is our honor to introduce and to thank you for listening to not only the concept presentation, but the work being done, because what we do today affects us 30 years from now. So this is a very critical and vital conversation. We need to hear from uh, organized bodies such as this one, who impart so much into our lifestyle, into our way of living, into our governance. So thank you. And now I will turn it over to our presenters. Nicole Freeman and Tim Lawrence. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Varner and Edgevick and Lizzie for um, uh, making sure we came to speak to this uh, important body. Um, again, my name is Nicole Franklin and um, I'm a little bit tingly inside because I'm back in room 416. Um, <laughs> I worked for this um, redevelopment agency for a long time. I was the project manager initially for the Western Edition redevelopment project area and then for the Hunter's Point Shipyard redevelopment project area. So um, I'm pretty committed to working in communities and making sure that as a public servant, we bring access and opportunities and better quality of life uh, for people of color and um, priority populations. 
So um, thank you, Madam Chair and Commissioners, staff and the general public for allowing us to take up some time to tell you about this vital project for the public. Um, it is the Link 21 program. Um, next slide, please. Um, see me with shorter hair uh, and Tim. And then also we wanted to just show you our, um, our uh, project director, she's at a conference right now speaking, but she wanted to let you know that um, she's sending us here to get your feedback on this program. Next slide, please. So what Link 21 is, it's a long range transportation planning program. Uh, and at the heart of this program is a new Transbay passenger rail crossing. Right now, in this major metropolis, we only have one passenger rail crossing. And if anybody's gone to New York or New York metro area or other parts of the world, they have more than one crossing. Um, and so we have this one crossing, and the Link 21 program is uh, looking to bring a second one if it's either going to be another BART crossing or a regional rail crossing like Capital Corridor or um, uh, Caltrain or Amtrak. It will be one or the other, but improvements to the other system with the intent of providing better service, reliability, redundancy, and connecting these other major transportation projects that are already underway. And doing so in a way that it puts uh, priority populations and transit-dependent uh, riders first. Next slide, please. Like the chair mentioned, um, um, the San Francisco, San Francisco Bay Area and the greater Northern California mega region is the fifth largest mega regional economy in the country. And so although we have a lot of opportunity here, we also have a jobs housing imbalance. Uh, and so we've also seen with this job housing imbalance and the affordability issue, as well as COVID, people have moved out of the nine county Bay Area into other areas of the Northern California mega region. However, they still have family roots, jobs, doctors, and the like here. And so that need to go back and forth uh, is still really important. Um, and we also, even though we um, are coming out of the pandemic or the pandemic has waned for the time being, you know, we see this pre-pandemic congestion on our roads and that, you know, injects an additional uh, risk to our climate. And it's impacting of us, all of all of us, we see it in our environment, but it also, as we all know, really impacts uh, priority populations and populations of color. And so that's why we are really committed to this program because we want to uh, get cars off the road. Um, uh, another thing is we have a lot of um, passenger rail um, systems in the Northern California mega region, and we have projects like DTX or the Portal, or we have you know the BART Silicon Valley. However, we don't have something that really connects it all to provide more opportunity for um, our priority priority populations. And Link Twenty One aims to do that. Next slide, please. And so we, we want to do that by um, uh, connecting markets, meaning certain neighborhoods that may not already have service. It's that improved service at the end of the day, it's about the passenger experience in that service. And so if that is a one seat ride, somebody coming from Sa Sa uh, Sacramento, coming down to the Bay Area, instead of getting transferring to get on board or transferring from Capital Corridor to a bus to come into San Francisco, or maybe it could be someone who lives in the East Bay who wants to 
get a job in San Francisco on the peninsula, but currently doesn't have the access to get there or reliable transportation, or somebody in San Francisco who wants to get, you know, in the East Bay to have a job or to visit their family. The, the point is to improve service and give people more options. Uh, another important thing when it comes to environmental um, uh, resilience is to make sure we have new trains, trains that are environmentally sound, that are quicker and lighter, like the trains that Caltrain has rolled out. Um, and then also the infrastructure to um, support that. Next slide, please. And so as with all of these uh, big mega projects, um, they have these goals and objectives that these project teams come up with. Uh, and what we did was we said, wait a minute, we wanna do this differently this time. We know the technical problem we're trying, we're investigating and analyzing to solve, but how does this really impact the people in the neighborhoods and the people on the ground? And so what we did was we put together goals and objectives based upon the actual transportation issue that we were trying to solve. But then we went out to community, working with community-based organizations to uh, talk to people in our priority populations to see like how do these goals and objectives really help you in your life? And is this what you need us to be looking at? And as a result of that, we changed or modified our goals and objectives. And then we changed them based on that feedback from community. And we uh, changed it to pro uh, pro promote equity and livability, uh, support economic opportunity and global competitiveness, and advance the environmental stewardship. And all of those are really important goals. We know we could not achieve those unless we improve the passenger experience. So that's why that goal is off to the side. Um, next slide, please. Now I'm going to turn it over to my colleague, Tim, who is um, BART's and LINK21's um, Equity Programs Administrator. Thanks, Nicole, and good evening, commissioners and members of the public. It's good to be here. And so I'm, I've been at BART for eight years within the Office of Civil Rights and have been the Equity Programs Administrator since December. So I've been on, the, on this project for about 10 months now. So equity is really embedded into the entire Link 21 program. Every staff or consultant who comes onto the project has an onboarding related to equity. Uh, so it's embedded uh, very deeply within the program. And I like to, when I think about equity on Link 21, I like to remember, as we saw at the beginning of tonight, the Ohlone people who for at least 10,000 10, years traveled across the bay in their canoes. And so that concept of crossing the bay is deeply embedded in the psyche of the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, so we prioritize equity by engaging communities that have been systematically marginalized. Um, we want to have benefits towards those who need it most, which is, includes transit dependent riders, those harmed by trans past transportation projects, and those who with limited access to important resources. We partner with these groups every step of the way to avoid harms and create needed benefits. We do this through both our engagement as well as the co-creation process. Next slide, please. So I wanna talk a little bit about the Equity Advisory Council. And so this is our, uh, we have an 18 member council. This is the first time ever that BART has done this or Capital Corridor for that matter. This is a community-driven body and has unique benefit of long-term engagement within this infrastructure program, allowing for a much deeper discussion and stronger community alignment on how Link 21 progresses. And rather than just kind of one or two-time 
meetings with the CBOs. This allows us to go, go really deeply with community members. Um, to identify and establish this group, we went through an extensive recruitment and interview process that diverse and dynamic community members came come together bi-monthly to discuss the program, to discuss specific topics that could lead to decisions. For example, our next Tuesday evening is will be our sixth Equity Advisory Council meeting. We have members that from San Francisco as well as many other communities in the, both the core area of the project as well as throughout the mega region. They integrate their lived experience and planning efforts in, to maintain a focus on an equity. The EAC, as we call it, has an established charter and bylaws, an honorarium and barrier mitigation fund to ensure that we break down any walls of participation for the members. Uh, just as an example, at our recent June meeting, we discussed displacement to listen and learn from the, our EAC. Discussion is happening early so that program, as the program continues to develop, input can inform potential changes to the BART displacement policy for Link 21. The EAC reviews program information, advises on decision, and act as peer reviewers within each phase of work, helping to prioritize equity insights. Next slide, please. So a little bit on the, our timeline for Link 21. Um, we started with program definition. Uh, in 2022, we started looking at concept identification. So we started with six concepts. Uh, four, four of them were regional rail or standard gauge rail. Um, two of them were BART gauge rail, looking at those at options on how to cross the bay. Uh, right now, we're getting ready to decide between those two uh, um, technologies, the, the rail gauges, as, as we say. Um, and that decision should go to the, both the BART board and the Capital Corridor boards in April of 2024. So that's coming up pretty quick for us. Um, at, and then we'll really turn it over to a lot of this work to the engineering team to do the planning and designing to figure out where the lines are going to go, where the stations are going to go. Uh, and, and there will be a lot of community engagement and co-creation as that happens. And that'll happen, uh, continue through probably 2025. And then it will go into environmental review um, 2025 until 2028. Uh, and then phase three, 2028, if all, everything goes well, uh, it could be pushed back as happens with projects. Uh, that's when we would start the um, actual uh, construction process. It most likely will be a design build type of project uh, work as, uh, as they develop the, the tunnel tunnel under the bay. So that's more or less our timeline. Um, it, of course, this all depends on funding as well. Uh, so that's another thing to, to look at. Next slide, please. So our... Um, Progress so far, we on um, terms of the engagement, we've have the equity advisory council, as I mentioned. We have e equitable engagement activities. So this fall, we'll have like a whole series of uh, en engagement activities going on. Uh, we are focusing on priority population. This is a, a definition of uh, people who have the highest level of transportation burden. Uh, there may be no zero car households, for example. They may be persons with disabilities. Uh, they may be persons who have to spend a lot of money on transportation compared to their income. Um, we are doing early environmental work. There's been um, 
uh, and, uh, environmental work, looking at potential yellow flags on the potential routes that, that we've been uh, studying, these concepts that I talked about. And then there's been a lot of planning in terms of service improvement options, developing these concepts and uh, looking, we're doing a lot of modeling in terms of what would be the new ridership on each of these six concepts, which ones offer the best cost benefit ratio, uh, which of these, and then, and then comparing the, the, the models is now comparing uh, the BART technology to the standard gauge technology to see which one has the best in terms of new riders, uh, better um, decrease in travel times, et cetera. So we're looking at all those kind of metrics. Uh, all right, so that, go to the next slide and I'll turn it back over to Nicole. Thank you, Tim. Uh, next slide, please. Um, in addition to the EAC and um, our co-creation activities with our community-based organizations, we also do just general outreach open houses, you know, the, um, the standard things that people, pro projects do. Um, but what we do is we make sure that we um, uh, uh, separate the information we're getting by jurisdiction and locality so we can make sure that we uh, respond back to those communities. Uh, and so this slide talks about like what we've heard generally throughout the Northern California mega region. However, in our uh, San Francisco specific um, engagement, we've heard from community and they're like, they want improved connections to San Francisco, inner city tr uh, train service connecting to downtown San, San Francisco. Uh, they want one seat rides uh, and they really want uh, opportunity to have um, connections for job opportunities. Uh, and you know more frequency so they can get to work. We're hearing all these things from from folks like you mentioned, transit dependent folks who don't have cars, and so they need you know service. And a lot of people, young uh, young people, want um, maybe twenty four hour service because some people we find in our priority population they may ride their bike and have to get on the first bar train or whatever. So you know we're really listening to what are their needs to make sure they can get to and from work and to their doctor's appointments and, and the like. Uh, next slide, please. Um, this is um, a transportation planner's uh, dream slide, so I won't get into too much detail about it, but um, like I said um, earlier that our passenger experience and service improvements is kind of the core of Link 21, and here are all the things that we are kind of looking at when we are looking at the service planning, because again, this is really about getting people where they need to go and helping out increase uh, or improve the quality of life through uh, public transportation. Like the chair says, it's really not just about trains, it's about access and opportunity. Um, so that's what the things that factor into the service planning. Uh, next slide, please. Um, so with Link 21, as I mentioned, uh, and I wasn't as clear because I had the, siren in my ear. What I was saying was that the, at the heart of the Link 21 is a second passenger rail crossing between Oakland and San Francisco. It'll either be another BART crossing or it will be a regional rail because they have two different track gauges. I won't bore you with that detail other than to say that whatever we our boards decide, we will be making improvements to the other system to make better connections. But in addition to those better connections, with Link 21, we'll have two different types of service. Um, we will have the traditional urban metro like BART currently is, but then uh, also, uh, next slide, we'll have this inner city express. And so that basically could be like a capital corridor or Amtrak, but with lighter, faster trains that can come a little bit mid distance from like a Sacramento down to the Bay and then operate like a BART system 
when they get into the inner bay. So you have options to uh, to go different places um, at different times and have longer, potentially longer, longer service. So that would be the benefit of Link 21. And of course, um, hooking into DTX or the portal or um, Caltrain coming up. So it'll be really taking all these major infrastructure investments that the folks in Northern California mega region have already made and really making um, um, it better and um, um, helping folks even in the San Joaquin's get to the inner bay uh, a little bit more readily. Next slide, please. Um, Tim, you wanna talk about uh, concepts? Thanks again, Nicole. Um, so as I mentioned before, we developed six concepts and the concepts are built from four key building blocks to best serve riders. Markets refer to the places that could be served by a new or improved train network. We did. Uh, we began by doing market research and we identified the most popular destinations for each area of the mega region. And for San Francisco, we the most uh, common areas of people are traveling is actually within San Francisco and then also from San Francisco to the peninsula. Um, and then secondarily to areas in Oakland and the East Bay. Um, there are other key destinations identified that extend further out throughout the mega region, including Sacramento, demonstrating the need for a better connected network. Link 21 includes improvements in train service for both BART and regional rail. Uh, including Capital Corridor and which train technology and the new crossing will achieve desired service. Lastly, to improve service and access, Link 21 will need to improve existing infrastructure, which are things like stations, the crossing itself, and changes to the tracks, perhaps in some cases adding additional lines to the Union Pacific lines. Putting these building blocks together, concepts show places that could be served by train, types of service that could improve rider experience, new train technology and key infrastructure improvements to meet travel needs and improve operations for both BART and regional rail. Next slide, please. So we have a lot of activities going on this fall, as you can see on the screen. Um, and collaboration is constant on Link 21 and will continue through, um, through this phase of work. The program team meets regularly with local cities, including the city county of San Francisco and their leadership, as well as transportation organizations like SFMTA and community adv advocacy groups. Link 21 specific uh, groups like the Equity Advisory Council and the project development team and jurisdictional working groups will continue to connect to collaborate on mega regional projects and how Link 21 will connect to them and create a more integrated network. In other words, it's not just the crossing of the bay, but we're working to try to increase that or to better that network throughout the entire mega region. Planning work will continue to focus on concept assessment and refinement, ridership modeling to understand potential for increasing ridership and service planning to identify the concepts that provide the desired service. We will be sharing updates um, in November and December on concept analysis and discuss what train technology and concept options serve travel needs the best and meet desired service reliability improvements. And you can see uh, date, the dates. November 1 is our first um, meeting that will be presenting some of our new findings on the six concepts. Uh, that'll be in a, community, a virtual community meeting 
and then an office hour on November 6th. Our goal is to go to the BART and Capital Corridor Boards in the spring of next year and with a recommendation on which train technology BART broad gauge or regional rail standard gauge will go in the crossing. At that time, we will also recommend the extents of the crossing project, um, meaning how far on either side of the bay we will construct improvements to create improved service, access, and reliability for riders. Next slide, please. Uh, thank you very much for your time, and we look forward to any discussion or questions you might have for us. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, we appreciate you uh, coming and the presentation uh, about really returning rail, in a sense, <laughs> to the uh, San Francisco Bay Area and connecting us better. Um, so thank you very much, Nicole and, and Tim. Now we will open public comment on this item. Are there any members of the public attending in person who wish to um, comment on this item? People attending in person are invited to make public comment. Public comment is up to two minutes. Please state your name if you'd like to make public comment and have your name recorded in the minutes. I see Terry Phil. Yes, thank you. I'm, uh, I've been listening, obviously. I'm, I'm sure that the intention behind this project is good on your side. The problem is that you cannot forget what we've been going through here. I mean, this is catastrophic. This is not the future because, unfortunately, we're going to have to deal with something very bad. Look, I know it's so we're just going to have to adapt. Besides, what's the goal? Connecting people to do what? It's a mess. The way this pandemic, we don't know exactly. I think it was more a pandemic of unintelligence. Now we are at the level where, ooh, so human rights, because that's what it is about. What's the transportation? Okay, sure, it can help humans to uh, connect. But uh, where is the big vision here? Yeah. If we don't understand that we first gonna have to deal with something bad, it's coming. We can't avoid it, it's too late. We can't. So uh, we are gonna have to face, uh, take our responsibilities for what happened and how we're gonna deal with it. We can't avoid it, nobody can. So it's not useful, I think, anymore or intelligent to uh, continue uh, pretending that we don't know because, look, I mean, being honest, I don't have anything to hide. Thank you, Terry. Are there any of the members of public attending in person who would like to make comment on this item? No. Chair, I see no other members of the public attending in person who wish to make comment on this item. Are there any members of the public who would like to provide testimony remotely? Please use the raised hand icon. People attending remotely are welcome to make public comment. Public comment was two minutes. Please use the raised hand icon to let us know you wish to speak. Chair, I see no persons attending remotely who wish to make comment on this item. Seeing none, public testimony is now closed. Commissioners, do you have any questions or concerns or thoughts about uh, the Link 21 presentation? Commissioner Johnson. 
Hello, and thank you for the presentation. Um, this always excites me to hear about ideas and initiatives that bring us closer, that help enhance community. Um, and so thank you for the efforts going into this and also for ensuring that we're getting the community input. Um, that's a very important part of any of these major projects. I do have a series of uh, just questions sort of bucketed into a couple of categories. I am curious um, um, how you're defining equity and what are the different dimensions of equity you're looking at in designing the project? Um, the second part is around the funding strategy and excuse my ignorance here. I'm just curious, I, I noticed the funding strategy comes late in the phases. And so um, is there any risk for not being able to move forward given the funding strategy is so late in the, 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 in the, the phases? If you could answer his first two questions, that would be great. Thank you. Thanks, Tim. Um, I'll answer the first question. Uh, so in terms of equity, we have a, a whole series of equity metrics that we developed uh, through a co-creation process. And so uh, what we defined is areas of the mega region that have a high percentage of priority population. And then we looked at, let's say, um, new, new ridership created by Link21 what percentage of that new ridership is priority population? Um, and so we looked at, we can judge the, the concepts that are put forward. They each you know, have an uh, estimated percentage of new riders that are priority population. Uh, so that's, and then we looked at the decrease in travel time. How much is it decreasing travel time for priority populations compared to the general population? Uh, that was another metric we looked at, um, you know, number of like how close people are to uh, a, a train station, how, how that increased um, because of the new stations being put in, what percentage of those people were priority populations, so we looked at, which is basically an access question, um, are priority populations getting that enhanced access more than the general population, so we, um, in general, we're using a percentage of, uh, we have the gen of, of the population of the mega region, it's 32.5% are considered priority population by our definition. Um, so that's one mark that we're looking at. Does Is the concept hitting that 32.5% or is it below that? Uh, or is it hopefully above that 32.5%? And then the other benchmark we're using is from the um, federal government with the new Justice 40 uh, definition that the, the that's coming out of, of the federal government and, and the U.S. Department of Transportation. And so we're looking at that 40% level um, and the U.S. DOT wants any new transportation project to benefit uh, priority population or, or whatever you might call that. Um, there's different different um, definitions for that. Um, at least 40% of that project should benefit that priority population. And so again, we're looking at the six concepts. Are they hitting that 40% benchmark? Some of them are falling below, some of them are falling above. Or And so that's a, a definitely something that we're looking at as we measure. And we wanna ensure that whatever project is put forward is prioritizing equity populations, priority populations, uh, in, 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 and so it's in, like embedded in the 
uh, in the selection process that we are using. If that, I hope that helps. So. It, it does help. Uh, just a quick follow-up to that for the um, among the priority populations, does that include mixed abilities? And, excuse, excuse me, people with mixed abilities, meaning I was, as, as we think about navigating different um, transit systems and knowing um, that those, those systems are serving people who may have special needs to access those um, uh, systems from an ability perspective, meaning are they all accessible, wheelchair accessible, are the elevators needing to access the tracks working consistently in the sustainability portion of the project, so things like that. Yeah, we know that that's very important for station design, and I know that that, that will go into the station planning process um, to, to make sure that there is that level of, of access. Um, or And so in some cases, that means renovating existing stations. In some cases, it means the new new stations will be built with that, that level of access. So um, the priority populations when we looked at it, have a very, very high correlation with persons with disabilities. So uh, we know that that's in, that's part of that definition of priority, um, priority population. So thank you. Commissioner uh, Johnson, uh, just to to let you know, in, uh, with our current engagement for Link Twenty One, we've also brought Link 21 to BART's Accessibility Task Force to make sure that they are aware of the program and provide input. Uh, and so we'll continue to do that uh, Do that as well. Um, to your second question, um, right now, the funding for Link 21, so first of all, it's sponsored by BART, Capital Corridor, and CALSTA, the California Transportation uh, Agency, uh, who is the author of the California State Rail Program, where Link 21 or a second transit crossing is in that document as one of the key signature passenger rail infrastructure projects for the Northern California mega region. Um, they have provided funding for Link 21 CALSTA. We also, the um, BART issued a measure RR a couple of years back, and part of the measure allocated money to study uh, for a second transit Bay crossing for that redundancy uh, reliability. We're also we also have RM3 money which has not been released yet. Um, as and oh, we're also going after federal grants. Uh, and a lot of the grant money that we are applying for really focuses on uh, our need to do engagement in community. Because on that program slide, Tim talked about how we're going to be um, going to our BART and Capital Quarter in spring of next year to select the train technology. But that next time frame is where we really need community to get involved and get involved with station area planning and what community benefits and those type of things that they want. And so some of the grant funds we're going uh, after is for those uh, for that engagement. We do not have all the money for Link 21. As we investigate these concepts, these um, for Link 21, and we come up with cost estimates for those, then we'll have a better sense of how much it's going to cost. And um, then we will work with our team to come up with a funding strategy for the rest of the funds. Thank you. Commissioner Duran. Thank you very much for the presentation. Um, in regards to the Equity Advisory Council, are they, uh, will that a council be present throughout all the phases will, or will there be uh, different uh, members joining throughout the lifespan of this project? Thank you for that question. So the 
uh, initial members, uh, there's 18, there's um, in the bylaws, they have a limit of two terms and they're two year terms, although um, approximately half of the members, we're extending their first term to three years so that there will be a stagger among members. Um, so there will be new members coming on board. Um, the, we'll probably in, within um, by next August, uh, we if some choose not to renew their their membership, we may then need to recruit new members at that point, about in in, in the August September time period. Um, we expect the EAC, the EAC, the Equity Advisory Council, to to exist throughout the life of the project. It'll obviously is if we get into the construction phase, the issues will be much different than they are right now. Um, um, but we do expect that to continue. Um, um, so, yeah. Like a quick follow-up, what is that recruitment process like? Um, we recruit through a whole variety of, of ways, a lot um, contacting CBOs, uh, using social media, through the Barden Capital Corridor board members that we've recruited that way. Um, so there's there's a whole a lot of uh, different ways. We had over 80 people respond to the first recruitment and 80 people submit applications as a very difficult process to kind of whittle it down to 20. And then uh, two of those could not serve for uh, different reasons. And, and so we ended up with 18 members, so. Thank you. Okay. Com Commissioner Amron. Uh, thank you, uh, Madam Chair. I want to thank uh, both presenters here on a very important topic. I, I actually do ride the Capitol Corridor uh, every a uh, few times a week, uh, every week uh, where I work in Sacramento, and I also take the BART. So I take the BART from Civic Center to Richmond, and I cross over on the platform. But one thing when I think about connectivity with, the, with each uh, uh, agency is more of a time transfer, if that's a way that can work, right? It's like working together. And I'll start with a little story because one time I was taking that ride and uh, because it wasn't time, I, I was trying to run up, run up the stairs to the Amtrak and I missed the train. I had to wait two and a half hours, two and a half hours to get to back to Sacramento. And when I did the calculations, it would have been less time for me to go back to San Francisco on the bar, get in my car and drive to Sacramento. And I think that's what discourages a lot of people from taking transit. Um, and then also just another point that I wanted to make is in the Bay Area, we use Clipper cards, but when I get into other regions of the state, it's, it's not necessarily like that. And how can we kind of link everything together? I know BART's starting to use maybe credit cards and they're kind of not necessarily phasing out Clipper cards, but making easier systems for people to make the payments and just your thoughts on that too. Sure, I am. Um, I'm, I'm not smiling because I'm laughing at you. I'm smiling because I have that experience. I went to UC Davis and I remember just sitting on there like, or if I missed it and it, it changes your whole day. And if you think about it, if you are a mother or a father or a grandma who doesn't have the luxury of being a student and can just get on the next train or somebody can just go back and get their car, it impacts their lives. And so that's kind of why one of the main reasons why we want to do kind of Link 21 is because we want to get people where they need to go um, to improve their, their quality of life because it's a real issue, right? Um, in terms of transfers, I think that's also at the heart of Link 21. And that's why 
although Bard and Capital Corridor with support from CalSTA, we're kind of like the drivers of this program. We're closely coordinating with all the other local jurisdictions and transportation agencies, because that's the key. Like if we build the infrastructure, it means nothing if we don't work with the other transit agents to make sure we sync up with them. And then um, when we say we're going to have a new crossing, but improvements to the other system, that's part of it. So we can make those more seamless transfers in that coordinated service. Uh, so that's one of them. Another thing um, that we are working on, but it's going to be further down the line, is really working with the different local jurisdictions and MTC and other to figure out how we do the payment system for Link 21. Again, we're early in the program, but we're already thinking about that because that is something that we know is critically important. There are people who don't even have enough money on a credit card or who don't have a credit card. Um, and so there are people who told us when I used to do um, station uh, visits with our old general manager, we would hear people like, you know, I can't have you take a whole $20 out of my account for a Clipper card because I don't have it. And so we're thinking about all those different things when we're planning about how we're going to make this thing affordable and more seamless for the riders. Uh, thank you. And I agree. Um, I do believe that, you know, we, we have a car culture here in the Bay Area in California. And then when you get to have the privilege of traveling to other parts of the world, mm -hmm. Europe and China and Japan, they have bullet, bullets to train going 200 miles an hour, getting you to where you need to go. And I think we can have that opportunity here too, as long as we plan it right, as long as we're uh, feeding into the program and also too, uh, overall helps the environment too, you know, getting cars off the road, we're stuck in traffic day and night. Um, and I think uh, I really, really commend you for your work and I'm gonna keep riding the transit and I hope I don't miss my next train, but <laughs> I, I just really, really, really wanna help, uh, just appreciate the work you're doing because I wouldn't be here in this position without transit. I know it's a big deal in my life, um, especially somebody that didn't own a car most of my life too. So just really want to thank you again and really looking forward to this. And hopefully you can come back um, and then do time and, and make a, and give us a good update. Thank you. I appreciate it. And, and Madam Chair, if I can just take the privilege of asking one more thing. I think um, we thank you for your time today. We know we've taken a lot of your time. However, we do think of, I do personally think this is a human right. I do, because a lot of, I grew up when I didn't have a car, you know, and so this is a human right in my mind. Um, and so we wanted to just open up the dialogue with your commission and um, uh, the call to action is really to, you know, tell us when we're going in the wrong direction in your estimation, you know, tell people about the Link 21 program. You know, we have, you have our email addresses in the website or have us come back uh, and give you an update. Uh, we just uh, want to make sure that we engage you and the people who come to the Human Rights Commission uh, and we thank you for your time. I want to thank you too. I just want to make one more point. I oh. got to speak with the city of Hercules, the mayor of Hercules, and he he told me that um, uh, the infrastructure act by the Biden administration get given his city millions of dollars, and they're going to plan to open a port. I did believe with the Amtrak stop too, and it's completely changing that community. My parents live in Antioch. They were afforded a BART station, and you're just seeing how much it changed that community for the better too. Um, so just keep keep going, and I really appreciate it. Thank Commissioner you. Commissioner Just a, a clarifying question. I apologize. The, the wonderful lady that uh, that presented. Can you just tell me the relationship? And so I, you can help me understand how you both work together. Sure, absolutely. So uh, Tim and I work for BART and we are assigned to the Link 21 program. And to make sure we did not do things business as usual and getting our comfort zone and just engage the same group. We uh, 
connected with small business and disadvantaged businesses and, and uh, businesses of color who have uh, connections in community and who can help us look more broadly beyond the groups that we always go to. And so we have uh, Varner uh, Associates as one of our area liaisons or in our uh, relationship managers to make sure that they're like, hey, Nicole, you need to go talk to this group and I have connections there. Let's get you on their agenda. You need to come hear what they have to say. And so Ms. Varner and her team uh, is one of our um, um, area liaisons and our relationship managers. And that's in addition to the community-based organizations that we work with that we either coordinate with through an area liaison or through a pre-existing relationship between BART and ourselves and that community-based organization. But it's basically to make sure that we're getting a diverse group of um, opinions on the program. And they keep us honest too. That's another thing. They tell us when we're doing something you shouldn't be doing or going in the wrong direction. And I'd like to follow up to that. Thank yes. you very much for clarifying. And we talk about diversity and, and especially when we when it comes to public transportation, the access to different languages is so important. Just wondering what's the outreach when it comes to, you know, uh, you know, Mandarin, Spanish, Tagalog, and other languages in this project. Timmy, you want to take it or you want to take it? Tim yeah, also works in our Office of uh, Civil Rights. And one of my duties is to be the go-between for the, when an uh, interpreter and a translation is needed and with our uh, contractor who does the interpretation and, tra and translating. So I know that there's this, a lot of, you know, all the documents, all the website is in both Chinese and Spanish. The, um, all of our documents, key documents are in those two languages. And then um, when we have events, there's there's often a um, actually um, Cantonese is more common than Mandarin in terms of uh, Chinese translation, and then Spanish translation. And we've had also had events with with, with Tagalog um, translators present as well. So that's um, um, that's something that that's very common with within our program. So yeah. If I could add one other. If I can add one other thing, and then we also, that's where our area liaisons and some of our research, they're like, hey, Nicole, we're going to Sacramento, and it's a huge Hmong population, so we'll make sure we have translation in, in Hmong, or we will go to like the Hmong Festival, or we'll go to Native American powwow, so we make sure that with our area liaisons and our civil rights groups uh, office that we are making sure that we're engaging people in their language uh, on, on their home turf, uh, and so that's some of the other things that we do. Ms. First of all, Varner PR team, I forgot to acknowledge my team, forgive me. I wanted to let you know, we don't operate in a bubble. Internally, because this is a massive project, we have regular meetings and we learn from each other. I can't tell you how illuminated I've been by just meeting with the other area liaisons from other communities to hear what their needs and concerns are. So it makes us a better representative as an underrepresented agency, as it were, though we're capable of many things. It allows us to understand and to interpret and to appreciate just how vastly diverse the Bay Area is and how we interconnect connect, and what's important to one community is equally as important to another, though it may show up differently. But at our core, it's about humanity. 
at our core, it's about we all breathe, we all walk, we all talk. Universally, we are the same, though we course through life sometimes differently. So we learn a lot about each other as well. Hope that helps. Okay. Well, thank you all for being here. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, and for including us in your concept identification phase, right? So um, we also appreciate having a voice in your planning. Um, <clears throat> we know there's a lot more work to do. I saw in 2039 on merit. So that's, <laughs> that's ambitious. So <laughs> Uh, it's a very ambitious project. Uh, transit is important to our region, and uh, I don't have a car. I donated my car in 2018, and, uh, and then in 2020, in, as a response to racial disparities in healthcare and uh, really in every area, I donated the car money that I'd saved up to start the Black Wellness Fund. Uh, so it's not popular in my household that we don't have a car, but um, and and that I chose a philanthropic route instead. Um, it does mean that I take Muni to get to City Hall. Um, I have I do car service at night, um, and I've seen violence on Muni, um, experienced it, and it's scary. Uh, same thing on Bart, going to the East Bay. Um, and, uh, as somebody who's been on the New York subway system, uh, it's scarier here than, than there. Um, and also the Paris Metro, uh, you know, they also have a homeless issue in the Paris Metro. Um, so transit and access to public transit and safety, <laughs> uh, is really, top of our agenda. We've had the MTA come and, and uh, we're in constant dialogue with them about gender violence uh, and harassment issues, safety, uh, as well as where are the lines, right? Where, where are you talking about putting the train station? Is it displacing or gentrifying? Um, a neighborhood with what's going on. So keeping it in the context, um, because transit is absolutely important to our region um, and we need alternatives to cars and freeways and highways and the, the whole transit system of freeways and highways where the, that system was used, the interstate transit system was used throughout the United States to displace black people. Um, and, and so because it has that racist fundamental uh, uh, approach that occurred, um, it's, it's suspect, right? Uh, so, you know, changing the way that we look at transit and uh, and train travel <laughs> is, it's a daunting task. So we appreciate that you've taken this on. Um, come back and do give us an update when you, you know, in your next phase for sure. And um, 
we are hopeful that keeping in mind equity, access, uh, and inclusion with language access, uh, differently abled access, as well as making sure that we're not uh, exacerbating racial disparities uh, in public transit. Um, those are all, I think, key takeaways from, from our conversation here. And um, again, we appreciate that you shared it with us. Mr. Secretary, please call the next item. Thank, thank you. you, Chair. And thank you all. Item six, Commissioner Activities in the Community. Commissioner's report on events in the community they have attended or wish to notify the commission of in advance. This is a discussion item. There will be public comment. Commissioner Johnson. Yes, thank you. I had the wonderful privilege of traveling to Washington, D.C. for both the Congressional Hispanic Caucus Institute and the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation conferences. Uh, this was two weeks ago. And it was a wonderful experience to see such representation in our highest house houses that is um, in um, in the country. Um, this I don't have the statistics readily ready to hear, but I know that the, both caucuses um, are the largest that we've seen in our, in our history, and it was very impressive to see um, the activities um, that happened at the conferences around addressing um, equity and inclusion and diversity um, in our throughout our country. Um, I also had a chance while there at the Congressional Black Caucus uh, Conference to attend the Mega Black SF event um, that was hosted in Washington, DC, um, and Director Davis was there as well. So we had a wonderful time to um, welcome uh, and introduce and fellowship with between folks from the Bay Area as well as folks visiting the DC area. Um, so it was a wonderful experience to be there. Commissioner Amron. Uh, thank you, uh, Commissioner Johnson. We missed you, so I'm happy uh, you're back uh, back on the West Coast. Um, so over the over the past Saturday, I got to attend an event. It was called uh, Home for Our Troops, and it, it's an organization that builds uh, a home for um, a veteran that's been wounded in, in wartime, post 9-11, um, and it's actually a mortgage-free home. The, the veteran gets to pick where uh, they have the home. And that was a great organization. The, there was a groundbreaking uh, ceremony. You know how much cost of living is here in California. So to have that home for that veteran be mortgage-free, I thought that was great. They've built about 370 homes so far just in 15 years. So I think that's pretty incredible. And then uh, my second uh, event, I just actually came from it was a ribbon cutting for the UC Law San Francisco's brand new building right there on McAllister Street, 198. Um, and it gets to house not only uh, law students, but dental students from University of Pacific, uh, USF law students, UCSF dental students. So it's actually a, called the Academic Village. Um, and it's actually a really great uh, piece of housing right there in the, on the loin. And I think it's the future. And um, there are also discussions about how quick they, get to, they got to build that because it was a state institution. So you kind of cut through the red tape um, and build that so fast. And I think the future is um, having our students here um, in San Francisco in areas they want to actually live and work and, and study. Um, so really, really excited for the future of, of, my, of my law school. Thank you. 
That is very exciting. Commissioner Riley. Yes, I attended the um, CCTC annual gala. CCTC, as you, some of you may know, that uh, they build a lot of affordable housing for the seniors and for the low-income families. So uh, the gala was very successful. A lot of people attended. Mayor, Mayor Bree was there as well. And then I attended the Association of Chinese Family of Disabled Benefit Dinner. And uh, it was... Uh, they have some uh, clients and uh, uh, beneficiaries attended as well. And it was very touching. They told a lot of sad stories and uh, it's a very good organization as well. Attended San Francisco Filipina American Chambers of Commerce, their 50th anniversary gala. Also attended the Hawaii Saka film screening and also the Stand Together San Francisco meeting yesterday. So we're going to plan on our next in-person meeting. Thank you. I uh, was very honored to participate in Fleet Week's uh, senior leadership workshops, uh, which included the president of the International Criminal Court uh, Judge Hoffmanski, and uh, who talked about uh, the work of the court and the importance of the U.S. ratifying its participation in the International Criminal Court. Um, the International Criminal Court prosecutes individuals, whereas the internet, the World Court, uh, is more of a nation state. Uh, keep it, keeping everybody on track. So um, they gave lots of examples. It was very interesting. Uh, what stood out to me is that a lot of their cases are uh, cases of atrocities committed in, in Africa and, and formerly uh, colonized nations. And uh, but they also you had an example about the Ukraine, which has now signed on to uh, the um, International Criminal Court. So it was that was fascinating. It was also interesting to um, meet a, a kind of a wartime surgeon who gave a, a, a very uh, engaging and compelling presentation, as well as hearing from Admiral. Uh, Boyle. So uh, it was at the Marines Memorial and uh, meeting with senior military leadership, uh, as well as with the American Red Cross folks and, and, um, and other city leaders uh, was very beneficial. Um, so hats off to Lewis uh, Loven, who's the executive director of Fleet Week organization, the organization that puts on Fleet Week every year. Um, and I'm hopeful because I did put a bug in his ear about uh, diversity and having uh, more uh, gender equity and uh, racial equity uh, in the presentations and in the workshops. Right? Uh, and then 
uh, this past week uh, also uh, was the Pathways to Parity, which was an amazing conference put on by the Human Rights Commission. Um, I'm so proud to have participated in it and um, and meet Michael Ford, who's doing the hip hop, the hip hop architect who's doing the hip hop museum in the Bronx. And, uh, and then we had an incredible evening presentation um, with Nicole Hannah Jones, the, uh, the curator convener of the 1619 project, uh, which I commend everyone to that, uh, that book, the project, the televised Hulu series, uh, however you can get all the information, you know, the truth is the truth as we move forward past 400 years of uh, enslavement and in, that continues to be uh, in various forms here in the United States. So um, that's been uh, my, my time and uh, looking forward to this evening, attending the, the Meta Gala with I think at least uh, two other commissioners. And, um, and with that, I would like to open the floor to public comment. Is there anyone in person? I don't see anyone. Uh, is there anyone remotely who would like to testify? Any raised hand icons? Chair, there are no persons attending remotely who wish to offer comment on this item. Seeing none, public testimony uh, is uh, finished for today. Item seven is adjournment. I wanna thank the members of the public and commissioners for participating in the October 12th, 2023 convening of the San Francisco Human Rights Commission. Our next meeting is scheduled for Thursday, October 26, 2023. I want to make it clear that every meeting will have uh, an item about the African American Reparations Report, the committee's work, as well as uh, what actions are being taken to implement the report. Um, so I look forward to, uh, to uh, having a quorum on October 26th. Is there a motion to adjourn? I'll move. Is there a second? Second. Any opposition? Hearing none by acclamation, this meeting is adjourned.